Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. Right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 219, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If that entertains. We have a lot to get to here on a different version. We'll get into what that means, but we've got a little NFL action for you. The Mavs, I mean, my Dallas sports is out of control. The Mavs and Donnie Nelson suing the team. We'll get into that. Got all kinds of different little things to get into. But before we get you started, Greening Law. Maybe you went through the weekend and you realized, my God, this car accident, something, why are these insurance companies calling me? What is going on here? Or you were standing in line. I I saw this happen. I told you guys this a long time ago. I was in an establishment in Dallas, standing in line, and like three people in front of me a ceiling tile fell off the ceiling and hit somebody in the head. If something like that happens to you, guess what? You need to give Robert Greening and the Green team at Greening Law a call and let them be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. Dude, and all it takes is a phone call, man. Give them a call. Let them know your situation. See if you guys are a good fit. And they'll say, hey, yeah, we think we are. And if they, if they take you on as a client, let me tell you, it's been a great day for you because they're going to work hard for you. They're going to grind hard for you. And they don't get paid unless you get paid. And that, to me, is the greatest incentive ever. Yes, and the consultation's free. Pick up the phone, give them a call, see if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening. Call now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So let's get started. I want to start with the NFL before we get into all this other stuff, and and we'll get into the Mavs in a bit. Because the NFL, it it constantly amazes me, and I don't know why. I guess every year you forget that the NFL does it better than anybody else at keeping themselves at the forefront of the news cycle. And you go through teams signing their own free agents, the franchise tags, how that's going to work out. Then you get into free agency, and... That started really on Monday when the legal tampering period opened. Then we get to Thursday, and the Devontae Adams trade, I think it blew a lot of people's mind because you're thinking going, wow, so Aaron Rodgers agreed to come back with the three-year contract extension and apparently knew that they were going to trade Devontae Adams. So Devontae Adams 
goes to the Raiders in a trade in exchange for a first and second round draft pick to become the richest wide receiver in the NFL. And he got to choose that and apparently would rather have Derek Carr throwing him the football than Aaron Rodgers. I, I just thought that was fascinating. No, nah, he'd rather have $141 million over five years than Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. <laughs> like, I think he'd take Aaron Rodgers. But did you know this on the real, that they were college teammates at Fresno State? I did not know that. No, I had no See, idea I, where Devontae Adams went to college. I didn't either. And I don't know, I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't. Uh, but yeah, Derek Carr was his college quarterback, so this is like coming back with your homeboy. And so, but in free agency, and I heard this yesterday, and I've tried to tell fans this forever, because I've been doing this since 1996. That's a long time, bro. And I've tried to tell fans this forever. Free agency, 99.9% of the time is about dollars and cents. Just money. Like, I can't believe he would go live in Buffalo instead of come home to... T Dude, the Bills gave Von Miller $51 million over three years. That trumps anything and everything. You know, people go where they get paid because the NFL career is so short-lived. So, Devontae Adams, I didn't know they were going to trade him, but we talked about it the other day, dog. He's like, franchise tag. <laughs> Y'all tripping. I ain't playing for that. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Like... um. Like Dak Prescott, you know, the rules don't affect you if you don't have a contract. And the franchise tag means I don't have a contract. So I don't have to show up. I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do. And so without that, the team had no leverage. And they, they knew after, uh, who was that, Christian Kirk got $17 million. Oh, dude, the price on Devontae Adams just went sky high. Yeah, no doubt, and, man. I mean, it did, because Devontae Adams yeah. looked at that and said, that dude got 17? <laughs> he probably sent him a bottle of Don Perignon and said, appreciate you, bro. <laughs> With his new 28 mil a year, I bet he did, man. I it bet he sent it before that, dog, because he's like, I'm finna get paid. And guess what? I don't care who pays me. $28.2 million a year. He is the richest wide receiver in NFL history. He is, on average, making a million dollars more a year than DeAndre Hopkins when he signed his contract with the Cardinals. Devontae Adams will be 30 years old next season. A five-year deal, $141.25 million with the Raiders. Interesting. And the Raiders, I mean, they, they shelled out for Chandler Jones, and now they're rushing Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. And all of a sudden, a team that made the playoffs last year, God, that, that AFC West feels like it is just absolutely stacked. It feels like, you know, we've been saying that about the NFC West for a yeah. couple of years now. Well, that's, just, you know, uh, it's, it's looking there. You know, we used to always say that about the, uh, the, NF the AFC North for the most part because mm -hmm. you had the Ravens and the Steelers. Well, I guess we said it for a minute because the other two have sucked. So maybe I, I, I misspoke. Anyway, it looks like the AFC West is like, oh, my God, it's going to be some wars over there. And uh, you wonder how that really affects everybody, man, because, you know, if you're used to winning 12 games, if you're the Chiefs, because you go five and one or six and zero in the division. Well, hell, everybody could go three and three in the division this year. Maybe yeah. that knocks everybody down a notch. And, you know, the playoffs are become more difficult to get in because you've got these losses because your division is so tight. 
Yeah, man. I mean, you look at that. I mean, Denver making the move with Russell Wilson and adding Randy Gregory. One thing that's interesting about these teams is with the quarterbacks that are in there, you look at the moves, the Chargers trading for Khalil Mack, the Raiders signing Chandler Jones, and it's obvious that these other teams looked around and said, okay, we got to get some defense. We got to get some dudes who can rush the passer because there's some passers in this division. Bro, it's a, it's a hell of a division. Everybody's loading up. Because I was just thinking about, you know, the uh, the Chargers have added pass rushers. Uh, you know, hell, the only yeah. team, I don't, dude, it's, it's the Broncos have uh, done what they've done. Yep. Uh, really, the, the only Raiders team that hadn't not, done anything is the Chiefs. You know, I was doing this mental Rolodex thing in my head, and I'm like, the Chiefs are like the only team who ever done anything. And uh, now nah, they've they've had so much success going to the AFC Championship game the last three years. Uh, you know, maybe they don't have to, but uh, hey, man, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. It, well, you look at the cleave. Chiefs; they lost their best cornerback in Travarius Ward, and they lose their safety in Tyron Matthew. Hey, where did Ward go? He went to the 49ers. How much he get? Um, I can't remember. Let's see. I'll look it up real quick. But he got. And I say that because I say that because remember he was the Dallas yep. Cowboys, and they traded him for a, for a Rudy Poot guard who who was here for a minute and gone. He got three years, forty mil, thirteen point five per year. Yeah, it's one of the rare misses by the Cowboys. Yeah, and they. I mean, that is a big miss by them. But at a at a position that that you know, you can never have enough of. The other thing in the NFL is this Baker Mayfield situation with Cleveland where it, they made it obvious that they were hoping Deshaun Watson would pick them. Apparently, that pissed off Baker Mayfield, and he posted all over his social media, basically a goodbye to Cleveland. And then, lo and behold, Deshaun Watson tells Cleveland, hey, it's not going to be you. And Baker Mayfield requests a trade. Cleveland has responded by saying, cool, we're not trading you. This is going to get interesting. And Baker really, there's nothing he can do you, 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 other than give up $18.5 million, which I seriously doubt he's going to do that. Okay, let me ask you something, Doc. Yeah, I mean, we're doing, this is, this is a Friday conversation we're having that we'll tell you about later. Yes. Uh, this, uh, dude, like, Baker Mayfield, like, dude, dude, are you the only guy that ain't got to compete? Are you the only guy who you, your job is guaranteed? There's no better player in the league than you? They, you don't think Deshaun better, Watson's better than you? You don't because you're Baker Mayfield, yeah. but everybody else in the NFL does. Shut the fuck up, okay? That's really what I was going to say. Stop whining. Every other guy in the league has got competition to his spot if you're not Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whatever. And then I said this the other day, man, to my boy. And Baker Mayfield should take this to heart. You were the number one pick overall, bro. You think they don't want you to succeed? You think there's not embarrassment that, oh, he's not that guy. We got the number one pick. We made this guy number one over all the quarterbacks in the draft that year. And he's, you know, he's not the guy. He's mentally soft. He is. It's very much so, and, and, and I thought this was interesting because if I'm the, I do exactly what the Browns are doing. I'm like, okay, walk away from the most money that you've made. I mean, he keep in mind he's made thirty two million dollars, but his eighteen and a half. I mean, think about that. You are about to in one year make more than half of what you've made in the first four years that you've been in the league because of that fifth year option. You don't want to play for it, cool, don't. But you're going to play. We'll trade you if we want to. 
And you're not going to walk away from $18.5 million. Now, after this, it feels like, and there's a reason why there's never been a contract extension with him. I don't think Cleveland cares if he walks away, but they'd probably like to have him. Reality of it is, Baker, you got a quarterback in your division that's won a league MVP. You have another quarterback in your division that just went to a Super Bowl. You're the third best quarterback in your own division, much less the conference and in the NFL. Pay attention. Yeah, so chill out, bro. I mean, oh, I, I want a, cra- a, a, a trade. As Adam Schefter reported, this is too far gone to mend. You have to get over yourself, man. And that's, that's the thing is because on his contract with what he's got, it literally is, you like, what can you do? Well, I'm not going to play. Okay, don't. You're not that <laughs> great, and then we'll save the $18.5 million and go somewhere else. Bro, ain't nobody turning that down, so shut up. Yeah, because, like, again, with the new CBA from a couple of years ago, these guys can't hold out anymore because you don't get paid. This isn't, oh, well, you'll hold out and piss us off and we'll need you and we're going to have to pay you anyway. No, this is just, okay, we won't pay you. And we'll find some quarterback that can probably come in and basically do what you've done. Yeah, which is be aight. All right, was that a fart? You heard that? I was! (laughs) (laughs) You heard that? Yeah, I did. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Everybody heard it. Oh! And now on editing, I'll go through and amplify it to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you heard that. I was just minding my own business here. No, oh, it's uh, awesome. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. There's a random pause in conversation. <laughs> I, heard, I heard this little in the background. I hear this. <laughs> <laughs> And I knew it was. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I got one, finally. <laughs> uh, I'm so embarrassed. There's no reason to be. We all do it. <laughs> but it doesn't go across the world. To, uh, <sighs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I'll never live this day. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else listen. is laughing, listening to it now. <laughs> I'll never live this down. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> And you know what? It it was timed so perfectly because we were talking about (laughs) Baker Mayfield. And that's basically kind of what we think of him. Jeez. I I have have no words. I can't stop. I'm going to lose it. We got to get back. Oh, get it back. Get it back. Come on. It's okay. Oh, you know. Uh, So just get back to that conversation, though, as everybody enjoys Fart Jacques. The that quarterback class, remember, because that was that class where everybody was looking at it and nobody felt like there was a clear-cut number one. Because keep in mind, that was that 2018 class, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Those were the five that were taken in the first round. Rosen's a colossal bust. I think he's on his fifth team. He's never going to turn into anything. Sam Darnold is a bust, already on his second team, and Carolina's trying to get away from him and get Deshaun Watson. Now you look at this, and it became between Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's won a league MVP. We know what Josh Allen is. Josh Allen probably going to win an MVP and is an absolute stud. Baker Mayfield, and I thought this when it all began, I thought Baker Mayfield would be one of those guys who somehow finds a way to hang in the league for like 10 to 13 years, but never becomes re- Like, he's like Kirk Cousins to me. Dude, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. He can get you. He, I mean, you know, he doesn't stink. He's a, he's a solid quarterback, but he's just a. I mean, he's that's what he is. He's yeah. a solid quarterback. 
He's not, and there'll be some games where he looks fantastic and some games where he looks like trash. But um, I think, and you know, it's, it's, it's not even me, man. This is universal, I think. When you look at quarterbacks, the number one criteria, the number one criteria after you have the ability to play the position, okay, that's got to be number one. You got to be able to play. Dude, the number one thing after that is can you lead men? Are you a leader? Will people follow you? A, a lot of Dak Prescott's successes, he is a leader of men. And people follow that dude wherever he goes. And they, they, they just, oh, Dak said, dude, this okay, fine. Oh, we all have an offseason here? Okay, fine. Oh, we all getting up and meeting at 530 this morning? Okay, fine. They don't even question it. They just, do, they just go do it. Baker Mayfield say some shits like, why we got to do that? Y'all going? Cause I got, I, you know, I got to take my yeah. kids to uh, to the doctor on that day. Oh, uh, no, nah, man. You know, the wife, wifey wants to go hang out the night before, so we're going to be out late. So I'll catch y'all on the next one. They ain't following that dude, man. And if they won't follow your quarterback, dog, then he ain't worth a shit. Yeah, that's, that's where you look at this. And I fully expect that Baker Mayfield in 2023 will be on a different team. I think he's going to – he's not – again, he's not turning down $18.5 million dollars. He's going to play for Cleveland this year unless they somehow magically find a trade partner and maybe the Colts. But again, if you're Cleveland, why would you do that? Because the Colts don't have a first-round pick this year. And this is not a strong quarterback draft if you're looking to draft one to replace Baker Mayfield. So I think he's actually going to play in Cleveland this year. And then he'll move on and he'll go somewhere else and he'll be, you know, it's the Jameis Winston of, of the world, you know, former number one overall pick who was kind of okay in Tampa, goes to New Orleans, we'll see what he's got. And, and he's just that type of guy. But that quarterback class, and, and again, I talked about this when it came, if you have five quarterbacks in one class, you get yep. five of them, two of them are going to bust. You might get two who are really good and you're going to get one that's average. That's exactly how that class played out. Dude, I mean that's I mean that's just the law of averages. That's what's going to happen, and the hard part was making sure you got because I don't think we any of us knew when they all came out, obviously. But the hard part was trying to figure out which one was the right one. And quarterbacking, I'm gonna say it until the day I take my last breath. It's not just about you, man. It's not just about you. It's about the organization that drafts you, and is it smart enough? and competent enough to put a team around you that will allow you to, one, excel because you got playmakers with you, and two, you got offense coordinator, coaching staff, head guy, whatever, that will put a scheme in that will allow you to thrive. If you don't have that, you have no chance at all. And you go back and look at the top three picks in that 2018 draft, knowing what we know now, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold. And Barkley is going to be done with the Giants after this season. And and look, part of it is because he's constantly injured, but that's just reality, man. I mean, you got three picks. Two of them already are, are I mean, I'm not calling Baker a bust because he's, I, again, I think he'll play in this league for a while. But man, it, it, and you just never know. You, and that's what's so wild. You look at the picks right behind him. Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen. <laughs> Dude. Like picks four through seven, colossally better than picks one through three in that draft. A wild draft in 2018. Hell yeah. So let's jump into a trip around the block. Before we do that, 
I'll tell you about uh, some of our fantastic sponsors, as we always do, because you guys support them. It makes this happen, makes it work for what we do, and we always appreciate that. I don't know that anybody supports Freeway Tire Shop more than Jacques. Maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody out there in our listening audience also supports them as much, but you know, the reason why you do take all your cars and you seem like you've always got a car with JR is because of the work that he does, because you trust him, because you know when you drop it off... You can leave it with the dude, and he's going to do the work he says he's going to do, stand behind it, and do it with elite customer service. I mean, I, I can't say it any better than that, but I'll try. JR is the best. If, you, if you're not an expert at working on cars, and most of us aren't, take your car to JR. He's just 10 minutes from downtown Dallas. Um, you know, and, and the reason is you can trust him. and It's hard to find a mechanic you can trust. And you can trust him to figure out what's wrong with your car and then use quality parts to fix it. You can trust him to give you a fair price, and then you can trust him to stand behind your work. You can't say those four things about every mechanic you run into. You can say that each and every time with JR. I mean, he's the absolute best. That's why I take every car to him I have. <laughs> and that's why I tell anybody I meet that ever says they got a car issue, you got to ride with JR. Yeah, man. And like you said, I mean, it's really easy to get to. Yes, it's, it's in the downtown Dallas area. But it's literally right off of 35. I mean, you, you could have a bad throw of a rock and hit his shop off 35. It's right there, and it's easy to get to. No matter where you're at, just having that peace of mind, I think, knowing that you're getting taken care of with your vehicle is worth it. Check him out online. Schedule your appointment. You can request a quote. Let him know you heard about it on Jam Session. He'll get you taken care of. Freeway Tire Shop, freewaytireshop.com. So we move into this trip around the block, and as you mentioned, we kind of briefly mentioned this, but we are actually, you're going to be listening to this on Monday. We wanted to make sure that you got your week started off with the podcast, since that's what we normally do. Normally, we record our Monday podcast because it drops in the middle of the night. We normally record it on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. But this weekend, I am flying to Dallas, and when, like, the way we have the podcast set up, I have, like, the bulk of the main equipment and it's this board that we do. It runs through the computer. There's some cables and microphones and whatnot. It's, it's, it's a pain in the ass to fly with. I've done it before. I have to take the microphone apart and put it in the box. and all. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a beating. And I'm coming into Dallas this weekend. And Jacques and I were like, okay, we want to record a podcast. Make sure you guys get one for Monday. But I didn't want to travel with my stuff because I am coming in. One of my relatives that I was actually pretty close to passed away. And her name was Bybeth, Bybeth Stogner. And she is my mom's older sister. We, we called her Sissy. She was born on May 8th, 1946. And she actually passed away in early February, back on February 6th. She was 75 years old. She had been battling Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, it just got progressively worse over the last, really the last year, it got really bad. But you started noticing it a couple of years ago, probably. And I got to tell you, if you've ever had a relative, if you've ever had anybody close to you, and I wasn't exposed to it nearly as much as my mom and my uncle. I mean, my mom was going over there pretty much every day trying to help take care of her. I mean, it's just, it's one of those diseases. We all know about the horrors of cancer. But I, I mean, this disease is just the way that it robs somebody of who they were and they live in almost like a prison of themselves there's just nothing else out there that's like that it's a horrible horrible thing no i've got uh i've had some close friends who have uh who have really gone through that with their parents and it's uh it's 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 pretty much what you just said there's there's few things worse than that I, that i can imagine 
And then I think it, uh, and if it's not, if it's not you looking at your parents go through it, mm. the only thing worse could be you as a sibling going, the person I grew up with who had yeah. so much vitality the entire time I've known them. Now they don't recognize me or they don't know me or they only know me as, you know, this or that. Um, it's, uh, dude, it's, you, you wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah. And it's so sad. And, and it, she and my uncle Shelton had been married for 55 and a half years. They got married when, like, back in 1966 in August at some point, and they'd been together ever since. And, and they were the type of aunt and uncle that were, they were phenomenal people. They, Shelton still is, obviously, and, and my aunt was just, they were the types, and they didn't have any kids of their own for, for whatever reason. And they were very active in our lives, like me and my two brothers they came to all my plays when I was in high school. They came to countless games throughout the course of us growing up. You know, they were very active. And I don't, sometimes like when you're an aunt and uncle, you, you don't necessarily have to do that or you don't do that or you're, you, you know you're related to those people, but you rarely ever see them. I mean, they were around us constantly. And one of the things that I appreciated even more as I grew older is the fact that my son Maddox, they are very active in his life. I mean, they would come and go to his t-ball games and go to his basketball games until it got to the point where she couldn't do stuff like that anymore. You know, and he, and he would go to his house and you could drop him off and, and they would play with him. And they, just those types of people that were just real active in our lives. And I always very much appreciated that about them. She was an elementary school teacher for 32 years. She taught, they lived in Austin for a bit and I know she taught at Sigler Elementary for years and years in Plano, which is over there. What is that? That's over there by where Collin Creek Mall used to be, kind of, in the Plano area. She was named Plano Teacher of the Year in 1987. She finished runner-up for Texas State Teacher of the Year that year. Wow. I mean, that's the, the level of teacher she was. She was an incredible person. She just, she she loved to teach. And, and I am going to speak at her... It's it's more of a memorial service, I would say, a memorial gathering and celebration of her life than a funeral. Right, right. And, you know, like I said, she passed away in early February, but my uncle wanted to wait a few weeks to to put things together and make it the way he wanted it to be. And also, like, one of my brother Chris has been in Brazil traveling, of course, and he's been in Brazil for three weeks. So he wanted to make sure everybody could be there and all that. So that's why it's actually happening a few weeks down the road. But I think there's me and two other people that are speaking. And it's not that I'm giving a eulogy. But man, I got to tell you, this is something, you know, I, I've kind of been awake at, at night the last couple of nights, like thinking about what I want to say. And, you know, because you really want to make sure that you say the things that you want to say, but also for the people that might not have known her as well or knew her in the role that I knew her, kind of understand the impact and the person that she was. No, it's beautiful, man. And, uh, you know, I, that's to me, that's always meaningful because, um, you know, people, I always think about it because it's part of what I do with my business, um, is that people live long, meaningful, fruitful lives, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, maybe more. And then, you know, they're wrapped up in three paragraphs about who you married, where you worked, and where you went to school, and that's about it. Yeah. And uh, it's always great when, when people can, can keep that memory alive and keep that life alive by talking about uh, you know, why somebody was special or, or how they contributed to society, even if the contribution, which seems small, is big, which is supporting other people in the family. Yeah, and she, she's the type of teacher where, 
over the years that she taught, like, I believe it was my first grade teacher, I believe was really good friends with her and would always ask about me. And you just, you know, you have those, even elementary school teachers, we all had a teacher or two growing up that we still remember years and years later. And she's going to be one of those teachers where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some former students show up on, on Tuesday when her memorial services, just because of the impact that I know she had in the type of teacher that she was. She's one of those types of teachers that you would just always remember throughout the years. So it's now what's what, uh, you know, what's real about that man is that, uh, one of the most influential people in my life was Martha Jane Lee, mm. my elementary school teacher in fifth and sixth grade, yep. who I still talk to on Facebook. <laughs> like we probably have a Facebook exchange of some sort. She comments on something I did or whatever, probably once every uh, couple of weeks or at least certainly once a month. And um, yeah, she, she's as big as influence as everybody. The dog Jacques will wag its tail, not it is tail. That's how you know the difference between <laughs> it and its. Yeah. Dude, she told me that and made me feel so bad in the fifth grade. I've never forgotten it. See? Yeah. And it, teaching. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it, it, all this is just a part of life, unfortunately. And oh, that's the circle of life, bro. It is. And so we are flying in. This is what's weird about flying, especially when you don't live in a hub like Dallas or Atlanta or Chicago or somewhere. Birmingham, obviously, we can fly. You can fly anywhere from any city pretty much these days. But Birmingham, it, it's strange because the flight from Birmingham to Dallas, I mean, you made that at one point, I think. You flew in, and it's a little over an hour. I mean, it's a really quick flight. I mean, it, depending on which way you're going and which way the wind's going, it may take you an hour and 20 minutes. Right. But the thing of it is, is they offer all these different flights. There's only ever a couple of nonstop flights from Dallas to Birmingham a day. And so I always try to get those. Our flight leaves Birmingham Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Oh, my. So we got to be at the airport before 5 a.m., which means oh we got to wake up. I'm probably waking up Saturday morning around 345, 350 a.m. Jeez. Which is insane. Then, you know, I'm going to be tired all day because, I mean, that is just an exhausting hour to wake up at. We land in Dallas, supposedly. I mean, we'll get there before this, but the flight is 6, day, 6 a.m., 8 a.m., which is gate to gate. I guarantee it will be on the ground before that in Dallas. You get there so <laughs> early, and then it's wild because my brother, I, I just told you this, and you didn't know, my brother Mark, his wife Kelly is pregnant, and she's due in late April, and they're having a baby shower. She is on Saturday. So the lady and my mom, they'll get to go to that on Saturday and, and spend some time with her at the baby shower. <laughs> And I'll just be hanging around in Rockwall all day. But we are going to be there for a few days, which is why I'm not taking our stuff and why I was saying earlier, you guys are listening to this on Monday. We will not have a podcast on Wednesday because we normally record that on Tuesday. And I will be at my aunt's memorial service on Tuesday. And then Tuesday night, we fly from Dallas back to Birmingham. And our flight, our flight leaves Dallas at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. Woo! A late-ass flight, man. We're going to land in Birmingham sometime around midnight. Jeez. And, uh, you know, the quirky thing is, you know, <clears throat> Matt will be here for three or four days, but I'm actually headed out to Jackson because I've got some uh, top secret work for the JJT Ooh. Media Group to do uh, with one Deion Sanders and the Jackson State football team uh, next week. So I, I'm, I'm actually bouncing early, and so I'm, I'm going to be in Jackson most of the next uh, 
four days. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, that, that's yeah, how it I is. Matter of fact, I don't get back till Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. That's the way, it, the, the way it works, man. And you know what's funny is if we if Birmingham is where Jackson is, we drive. But that extra three hours, man, and, and we oh, live. Oh, that makes a difference, brother. We live on the east side of Birmingham, and we, we live 15 minutes on the east side of Birmingham. So from where we live to get to Dallas, it's, it's closer to 10 hours than nine hours. And it's, I mean, man, I, when we've made that drive a, a couple of times already, we get to Jackson, and I'm always like, God, I wish this was Birmingham. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't like to drive. Jackson is about the max for me. I mean, I can, obviously, if I yeah. had to. But, like, okay, I just get in the car and go. Jackson's about the max for me. Uh, six hours. And it's yep. and I've gotten it down now where I can do it in about 5.30, 5.35. But that's about the max I want to be driving, bro, in one day. That's Otherwise, how I, I am get, now. I get tired, and then I would just stop after, after six hours. Like, when I used to drive to Nashville, I would – once I got older, I just like bump it. Let's let's go spend the night in Little Rock, hang out, have some fun or whatever. Or if I'm feeling good, we'll stay in Memphis and just make that quick three hour drive in the morning. But I don't like to be exhausted. So I'm the exact same way. And I, I used to drive I've driven when I lived in Dallas years ago, I used to I, I drove from Dallas to Denver. I drove from Dallas to Chicago. I drove the from Dallas to Pittsburgh one time. And now I'm the same way as you are, man. Six hours in the car, and I'm like, I'm I just don't want to drive anymore. And my but my body feels differently. I mean, ever since I had my car accident last summer, you know, my back when I'm sitting down for too long, my back starts to get really tight and and just uncomfortable. And and so now I'm in a car, and we get to a certain point, I'm like trying to move around and loosen up my back. I'm like, dang, man, like I just like I'm done. Like I want to be done driving, dude. I'm feeling you on that. All right, the other thing that I've got for you here as we continue this kind of a conversation around the block. Are you familiar with Crush Craft, the Thai food place in Dallas? Uh, no, can't say that I am. Well, if you like Thai food, I will tell you it's fantastic. And they do, it's a sit-down place, but it's, it's counter service where you order at the counter and you sit down and then you go back to the counter and get it. And it's, it was featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives, I think, like, maybe two years ago. Well, they are located in the Quadrangle, which is being torn down and undergoing a complete renovation. Crushcraft is the only place that is staying in the Quadrangle, but it is moving from the location that it was just in because the original site where it was at just got bulldozed this past week. Well, damn. Yeah, I mean they're they're What's doing up? a big overhaul of the quadrangle. You know what? I've only I've heard about the quadrangle forever, but I think I've only been over there once, which seems kind of weird to me. Uh, seems like I went to breakfast over there at some breakfast place. Yeah, there's a place over there that used to be over there that did breakfast, and I mean there's been a few things that were over there. Holy and Moe's used to be over there when Brett Hole and Mike Madonna had that restaurant. It used to be in the quadrangle, and then it closed, and I'm trying to think what opened in its place. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a bar place that's been there for a long-ass time. You Crushcraft was there, obviously. There was a place called TNT Tacos and Tequila that was over there. It closed. Dream Cafe. That might have been what you're talking about, the Dream Cafe. Yep, that's it. I was going to say, because when I walked out, I remember yeah. seeing the Hully and Moe's. The sign might have still been up, or the building was up. 
whatever. I remember that being yeah. L.A. Moe's right there. Yeah, and that closed, obviously. And so all that stuff is closed, and Crushcraft is moving like 20 yards away to a new place, and they think that they will be in that place ready to go. It'll have a patio and fully open in about a month, maybe six weeks, as this renovation continues over there. But, you know, that whole area is so different, man, because especially Dream Cafe, which had been there for 33 years, and then the Ginger Man Pub, which has been bulldozed and is completely gone and had been there forever. But that's, I guess that's what we call progress. <laughs> hey, man. You can't fight it. Dude, ain't no way in the world to fight it. It's going to happen. And, uh, you know, you just want to be on a good side of it. So if you're building and growing, because everybody's got to have a patio yeah. these days, then uh, more power to you. Yeah, that's, you know, honestly, that's one of those places where Dallas is starting to feel these effects of building up. And so these companies come in that have an unbelievable amount of money and they figure out if you're leasing it or you own it, they're like, hey, whenever the lease is done, we own this or they just buy you out and offer you so much money and they're just going to build high rises everywhere because there is nowhere else to go in Dallas anymore. People want to live in the city center and that's just going to become more and more. That's why you see, and especially in cities like Dallas, people live in these big ass high rises. And then what do they do in the bottom of the high rise? They put in your bar and your restaurant and those places and these standalone houses and little places that were in the area that used to be fun to go to. They're just gone because now there's a massive high rise there. Yeah, it's um I mean it's just the nature of the beast, man. It's uh it's fascinating to me to watch it because I grew up here and I remember for years, ah, Dallas downtown sucks. Dallas yeah. is great because it's got all these pockets around town you can go to, you know, Addison and Uptown and McKinney and all these other things. It's it's cool because you got all these pockets. But man, every other city, because that's when I was really traveling a lot covering the Cowboys, it's like every other city's got this great downtown, you just go hang out and this this. Well, hell, Dallas has got it now, man. I mean, Dallas has got a ton of stuff to do downtown and right around downtown. And uh, it's, uh, dude, this city is, is popping. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of stuff to do there. And, you know, it's interesting because that process started several years ago, I think, in the Dallas area where you started seeing that. And obviously Fort Worth did it even before Dallas. And it's funny because living in Birmingham, Birmingham is starting to do that. Now, not necessarily with the high rises because Birmingham doesn't have this great influx of people, but you're starting to see the development of understanding, you know what? We can build some really cool restaurants and bars and renovate some of this stuff and put a lot of cool places really close together and people will come into downtown. And they're starting, I mean, two years from now, Birmingham is, I mean, they're, they're building it up downtown, which is really cool. And it's funny because I, I was driving around the other day and I was thinking, I was like, it's funny to see this because it's really at the beginning of the phase of what Dallas started, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. No, it's, um, it's amazing because when it starts, a lot of times you don't notice it. You see it when it's halfway through or when it's complete. Yeah. But, um, you know, when it starts, I mean, it, it ain't going to stop because it, things are just progressing and they, they keep moving. And once you have some success – we live in a copycat world. Somebody else goes, oh, okay, that worked. They took the risk. It worked. Okay, I'm ready to take a risk now. Now that I've seen it work. So there you have it. Enjoy enjoy Dallas because things are happening. Get out. Yeah, yeah, they are. Do something fun, man. I mean, there's all kinds of things to do there. I mean, every time I come back to visit, even if it's every three months going to town, I'm like, my God. Just in three months, the, the things that have popped up or the, yeah. the construction that's moved from one road to another that, you, that never ends. I mean, it's incredible. It's also incredible if you haven't been to it yet, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this, man, and, and I'm really hoping to get over there 
hopefully on Tuesday before we fly out, but Smokey John's Barbecue right there off Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field. It's super convenient, man, and it is phenomenal. And that jam session bowl, I cannot wait for it. <laughs> and I still, I don't know what to get because, actually, I know what it'll end up being because me and the lady will probably split it. And she, well, she likes mashed potatoes too. Dang. But she loves mac and cheese. So it's probably going to be the made from scratch mac and cheese. Then we're going to, I'll get a meat. She'll get a meat. We'll put it on top. We're going to top it with, I mean, the, the cheese and the real bacon bits, the chives. Drizzle it with a little bit of that sour, with the uh, Smoky John's barbecue sauce. And we're going to split that thing. It's going to be awesome. The jam session bowl. I can't, I'm stoked to be able to get up there and order that. Dude, it's fantastic. It's delicious. And the key is, give it to somebody who maybe, you know, Matt eats off of stranger plates. Maybe you can offer it to <laughs> a stranger, true. whatever you and the lady friend don't get. I do do that. Don't finish. Because you aren't, you aren't going to finish it. No, I'm not. But again, we'll split it. Yeah. See, and I think that that works because I believe they close at 7 o'clock. So we can get over there, have dinner, and then we can bounce over because there's a couple of breweries that are real close to Love Field, Celestial Brewery and On Rotation that we love. So we can make a do that, grab grab a little bit of a dinner there, and then swing by one of the breweries and then head over to Love Field. Oh, well, you can go give it over to Matt at Celestial. Yeah. And his wife will, uh, can eat your leftovers. Yes, maybe they will. I've got to bring them some <laughs> beer anyway, so that'll be fantastic. But Smokey John's Barbecue, man, it, it, if you haven't checked it out, you need to. If you don't live in the area, I'm telling you, it's go to SmokeyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market, order the barbecue sauce yourself. Order the rub. Maybe you like that. But I love the bar. I mean, I cannot get enough of the barbecue sauce. All at Smokey John's. It's local. It's family-owned. It's, it's such a kick-ass place, and they're good dudes, man. Support those guys. They support us, and I think you really enjoy it there at Smokey John's Barbecue in Dallas. Also, of course, we tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions, and the reality of it is, whether it's rain, whether it's the summer dry months, all that, the Texas, Texas soil is so wonky. I mean, everybody knows this. Like, when you live in Texas, you, that's why nobody has basements, because you can't put them in there because the foundation's so screwy with the soil. This is where HFX Foundation Solutions comes in. If you start noticing cracks, like if you, throughout the spring, you start like, man, that, okay, that's getting, I don't know about that. Or you start noticing doors sticking and things like that. You need to, like, I would immediately call HFX Foundation Solutions. It's a free, no obligation inspection. It's 45 minutes, and that's the type of thing, the earlier you check it out, you are talking about saving yourselves thousands of dollars in damages, catching those foundation and drainage issues early. Dude, it's the best way to do it. Um, you know, the reason we call it colonoscopy for your house on the real is because it's a preventative thing. You have Aaron and his team come out and check it. Doesn't cost you anything to have them come out and check it. And you get the peace of mind. And if they do find something, you're like, Whew, wow. Thankfully, I found it early because that's what happens most of the time. And uh, it'll cost you a fraction of what it'll cost if you find it late in the process. So you call Aaron and his team over there at HFX to let them give you peace of mind. Because peace of mind to me is worth quite a bit. Indeed it is. And it's easy to do. Another family-owned local establishment, 817-770-0174. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. You can check them out online. If that's easier for you, hfxfoundation.com. All these Dallas Mavericks. You know, it's funny because we were going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks uh, a couple of days ago because they, Spencer Dinwiddie hit that three-pointer at the buzzer after Luka found him. 
hit it, it drains it. The Mavs win. The, the, they beat Brooklyn in the midst of this road trip. The Mavs are playing phenomenal basketball right now. They're tied with Utah. They're both 43 and 26, 17 games over 500. I mean, they are in a legit battle for the four seed, a legitimate battle for the four seed as a team that has been white hot recently. And here's what here's what's happening, bro. And, and this is a good thing. They are creating a situation where now, see, the whole thing to me, and, and I, I've told you this at times, I was like, because you're like, they got to take a step forward. They got to win a series this year. And I was like, dog, I don't really know that they're good enough to win the series, man. You know, when KP was here, I was like, yeah. I'm just, I just don't know that they're good enough. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But I can't sit here and say they need to win a series because I don't think they got enough talent to win the series. Or the way they're playing, I don't know. And about that time, they were 16 and 18, and that was a perfectly legitimate thought. Well, what's my favorite phrase? Phrase, sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true a few hours from yeah. now or, or an hour from now, Randy Gregory. But as it relates to the Dallas Mavericks, they're a much better team. I think they got the second most wins in the NBA since January 1st. They're playing either the best defense or the second best defense in the NBA since January 1st. And Dinwiddie, who's not a great player but a really good player, has, has fit in perfectly for this team. And this is why teams matter, man. He's probably better on this team than he would be on some other teams because of the setup. And so now they got ball handlers. They got people who can score, Dinwiddie, Brunson, Luka. They got people who can score off the dribble and create their own shot in Brunson and Dinwiddie. The role players are the role players. They got defensive stoppers and Finney, and, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and um, your boy uh, Reggie Bullock. They got three-point shooters. Now you look at them and go, you know what? Y'all balling. You've been balling for three months. Okay, now let's go win a playoff series. I don't give a fuck if it's Utah or not. Go win it. Yeah. And this is going to be interesting. And now, by the time all you guys are listening to this, they'll have concluded their road trip. But coming up, they've got three games in four days with two of those on the road. They got the back to back Friday night against Philadelphia, Saturday night against Charlotte. They're off Sunday, Monday at home against Minnesota. This is a team that is 14 3 in their last 17. They've won eight out of their last nine. They started off, they beat Boston, or they beat Houston, Boston, Brooklyn, all three on the road. But again, and we'll find out how it's going to turn out against Philadelphia, but that's a great test for them because Philadelphia is basically the exact same record as them. Philadelphia with James Harden at the guard and Joel Embiid, who may be the MVP of the league, who's averaging 30 points and 12 rebounds a game. Good Lord. Seth Curry draining 40% of his threes. You know, they, they've, that's a good team in Philadelphia. So we'll see how it turns out. But man, these Mavs are fun to watch playing good basketball. The other thing about the Dallas Mavericks... And this was what was announced on Thursday afternoon. And you see this, you're like, wait, what? Bro, bro, let me tell you, let me tell you about this story and how it was announced. The story shows up, and I'll let Matt tell you about the story. But you got to understand, I'm at the NCAA game in Fort Worth talking to Joe Trahan from Channel 8. And his phone starts going bonkers. <laughs> and I go, he goes, I got to see what's going on. And then he shows it to me. I go, oh, snap. And then he scurries off, and, and the whole place is buzzing. Now, what are they buzzing about, Matt? This. They're buzzing about this headline. Former general manager Donnie Nelson sues Dallas Mavericks, alleges he was fired for reporting sexual misconduct. The lawsuit says that Mark Cuban's chief of staff, Jason Luton, 
sexually assaulted Nelson's nephew in 2020. Cuban and Luton have denied the allegation. It also alleges that Mark Cuban offered Nelson $52 million to withdraw a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and sign a confidentiality agreement about Nelson's retaliation allegation and his nephew's sexual harassment and assault allegations. I mean, th- this this is the type of thing, honestly, if true, that they could strip Mark Cuban's ownership for, of. Hell yeah, um, and they really might. They might they might just do that because now it's bad enough that whatever happened happened. If it happened, it's bad enough that that happened. But now it's also you know the gay community thing happening. You know what I'm saying? And so. That to me even ups the ante even more because it's horrible whether it's a man or a woman if you're sexually assaulted. But uh, dude, um, after what they just went through a few years ago, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And here's the thing that uh, let me see. And then he tried to pay him off with fifty-two million dollars again, allegedly, if, if true. If that's if that's true, but I don't know, man. I'm all here's the thing that struck me from Cuban. Not a single thing, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said not a single thing in this lawsuit is true. And I go, basically you're saying one person is lying. Right. Donnie Nelson just came, Donnie Nelson, who's got money, you know, just, he's just making this up. He just, well, he doesn't like me, so he's making it up. Cuban, this is what Cuban said, because he responds to the email that the Dallas Morning News sent him. He says, this filing is full of lies and ridiculous. The NBA is and was fully aware of our investigation into Mr. Nelson and his claims. They fully supported our conclusion that the only person to violate the Mavs and NBA policies was Mr. Nelson, and they were fully supportive of our decision to terminate Mr. Nelson. I can only guess that this is sour grapes in a way to try to get back at us for firing him. Now, I'm just asking, man. They didn't say why they fired him. No, they I didn't, and, and I mean, the reality of it is, if if this is true and the NBA is fully aware of this and was all about this and, and they came to this agreement and supported the Mavs, then I don't know that anything ever comes out of this other than Donnie Nelson trying to Molotov yeah. cocktail a little bit here. Yeah, I was going to say embarrassing. I mean, this is, uh, this is wild and this is salacious, but you know, the issue a lot of times, you never know what the true motive is. Sometimes it's to create a situation where I get to depose you and ask you about some other stuff yeah. that you don't want to come out that's, that's embarrassing. And so you never know if this is a ploy to create a situation where I can embarrass you and bring up stuff that you don't want. And so we end up with some sort of settlement. But I don't know what, what, the, what the goal is. And that's the key. What is, what is Donnie's goal? Is it money? Is it apology? Is it embarrassment? What is the goal uh, of the lawsuit? Yeah, and, and, and th- that's what this is interesting. So this is alleging all of this, and this is according to the lawsuit, Donnie Nelson, that Luton, who apparently is like Mark Cuban's right-hand man, that Luton, they interviewed him for a potential job possibility in the sports and entertainment industry, and that this happened during the All-Star Weekend in Chicago, that this Luton guy invited Nelson's nephew to his hotel room. Then uh, the lawsuit alleges that Luton asked him to sit next to him on the bed and then sexually harassed and sexually assaulted an unsuspecting, vulnerable LGBTQ young man seeking employment with the Mavericks. Now, of course, I just read you Cuban's response. Luton says it's a complete lie. 
I defer to Mavs to comment and who have already dealt with this matter. And I obviously have a lot of information to show that none of that ever happened. The NBA has responded to this. The NBA released a statement on behalf of the, of the NBA saying the NBA league office was aware of the complaint that was made against Jason Luton and the Mavericks conducted an investigation into the complaint. We were also made aware by the Dallas Mavericks that Donnie Nelson was going to be relieved of his duties. So all this leads me like this is where this gets really interesting because Cuban's saying, look, the NBA knows about it. The NBA is saying, yes, we knew about it. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I guess we need to hear from Cynthia Marshall, too. Yeah, I guess at some point you're going to find out more about this. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows what the reality of it is? It says apparently Donnie Nelson didn't learn about this incident, the alleged incident, until five months after it happened after his nephew had already settled for an undisclosed amount and after Nelson had begun talking about extending his contract. The nephew settled. That's what it says. So that leads you to believe something happened. Right. Why do you settle if nothing happens? Unless you're you're trying to avoid the embarrassment and the stain of whatever, just just it being linked to your organization. Uh, this is uh, this is wild, man, because, you know, because he settled, that means we believe something happened. And if something happened, I don't know, dude, who knows where the truth is in this in this whole thing. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is, and this is real talk, everybody's got their version of the truth. And they swear on a stack of Bibles and pass a lie detector that their version of the truth is the truth because they truly believe that that's what happened. Yeah. So, again, this is one of those things We'll find out more as the days go on. And I have no idea what to think about this. I really don't. But the way that Cuban has responded to this, because, again, when that stuff came out originally a couple of years ago, I mean, Mark Cuban basically was like, we're digging into this, went out, hired, sent Marshall, and was like, expose it. Put it all out there. Let's get to the bottom of it. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about this. I really don't. Uh, No idea, bro. And, you know, we don't have to have an idea of what to think about it. We just sit there and let it, let it play itself out. Yeah, because this is one of those things that you, you want more information, you want more fact before you say either way here because it's allegations, they've been responded to, and now you see where this goes moving forward. No, absolutely, man. This, so as I like to say, there's no need to rush for judgment. You can sit there and wait for the answers. That is exactly right. There is no need to rush to judgment on this one. Nailed that. So let's move forward. I want to have a little version of the peep show here because we've got some things to dive into in regards to said peep show. And I've been saving this up for a while because I've got a few things. First of all, on Netflix, there is a show called Inventing Anna. Have you heard about this? Yeah, that stars my girl from Mozart. Yeah, Julia Garner, who is phenomenal. And she is phenomenal in this. She plays, this is based on... The true story of Anna Sorokin, who successfully somehow conned friends and big banks out of hundreds of thousands of dollars before she was convicted of fraud and grand larceny. And Julia Garner plays this person. The accent that she uses, it's fascinating because it's not a real accent. It's an accent that the real Anna Sorokin invented. And it's like a combination of German and Russian that's really weird. And so I was, I was, when we watched the first episode, I'm sitting there going, I was like, what is that? 
And I, I looked it up because I was like, it, it's, I don't, I'm not familiar with this. And it's because it doesn't actually exist. It, it's something, so she is doing an accent based off the way that this real person actually spoke, which I think is, and she is phenomenal in the role. I'll tell you this, I, I couldn't stand the show, watch two episodes of it, never care if I see it again. Really? And the reason why is because it deals with the type of stuff that I have zero interest in whatsoever. It is about a person who is obsessed with social media, who is obsessed with material possessions. And it, the whole show, it's a reporter trying to figure out what the real story is. So you get a little bit of that. But the main parts of the show is her going around interviewing these colossally rich people who are all about themselves and all about materialistic things. And, and I just, it's, I, I don't care. It was too much for you. I just don't care. I, I was like, I don't, people like this, I have nothing in common with them. And I don't, like the fact that somebody wanted to fake a life to where they could roll with those types of people in New York and Paris. And you know, it, like one of the characters in the show is like, tells the reporter, like, for instance, look what you're wearing, honey. Oh my God, did you hand stitch this? I would never be caught dead wearing, and neither would Anna. I'm like, oh my God. Like this guy would hate me. Like, oh, oh my God, you're wearing a brewery t-shirt and a hoodie. What are you? And I, I don't know. It's just, there's so much you of that what, in the show. I just didn't, I couldn't care about it. I get it. But what's fascinating is those people actually exist. Man. I know. I know they do. I mean, this is like, a there's, real like thing. there's like a bunch of them. There's like, I mean, it's a whole world out there built on this. And it's, um, where did I read this? This is like a year or two ago. I read that this, this uh, social media influencer woman. Who had all these followers, you know, either several hundred thousand or a million or whatever it was. You know, she was posting about her her trips around the world. You know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm here, I'm there. Look at me, da-da-da-da-da. And dude, she was going to like, she was doing it because, I don't want to call it Ikea, but she was going to like stores and stuff and using their backdrops is, and taking selfies in their backdrops and then going to, uh, you know, some app to jazz it up a little bit. And she never left the town. She was just going all around town, you know, using people's, you know, mock bathrooms and all this yeah. stuff to create this fake life. And the thing about it is, and the thing on the real, man, which is why I think it's important for our society. And when I say, let me break it down even closer. Each individual parent who's got kids growing up in today's world, you have got to make sure that your kids understand that shit don't matter. I mean, you have to yep. like spend some time making your kids understand like, oh, social media's got some really good good aspects to it, but uh, son, daughter, you cannot get caught up in this other stuff because this is a fake world out there. People flossing and doing this. I, I talked to somebody the other day and I was like, look at this shit. And it was somebody, some young person posing with what looked like, you know, just stacks of money. I said, this is insane. And, you know, this person looked at me and said, you're supposed to go, no, nah, what did they say? Bro? What did they say? No, you're supposed to say, nah, bro, what did they say? Nah, bro, what did they say? Ah, oh, dude, you'll never believe it. They said, that money's not even real. I said, what do you mean the money's not real? What? This person said, you know, you can buy prop money. I said, what is prop money? She goes, just what I said. You can buy prop money. You buy it, you know, it costs you like 15, 20 bucks. What? It's 20s, it's 100s. It looks real because it's prop money, what you like, what you see in the movies. And they go, they put some real money on top. 
but the rest of it's fake. I go, you're lying. He goes, no, I'm not. I go, the hell? And she was, because she was explaining the social media world to me. She goes, that's what happens in the social media world. Everybody's out there flossing, capping, trying to look like they're doing this My or that. My God. So you know me, man. I took it to the nth degree. I go, so what you're telling me is this person is on IG flossing like they got $10,000 sitting in their living room floor. Me, I could be Mr. Criminal Mind over there. Go, oh, Matt's got 10000 on his floor. I know where Matt's stay. I've been over there for a smokeout party, you know, a month ago. Run over there with hoods and masks, call, call his crew up. Hoods and masks, kick your door in, beat everybody up, tie them up, kill them. Take the money, get home, and realize there's like 50 bucks here. Oh, my and God. Then, and the other nine ninety five thousand is fake? Dude, um, I'm going to tell you this, man. One time my son did that. He had like a stack of money, uh, and he put it on Instagram. Yeah. Like him holding a stack of money. It was probably six inches thick. And I called him up and said, yo, man, uh, when you get home, I need to holler at you. And he goes, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dog? I said, what is that? Oh, I got paid, so I got a bunch of ones, and I was making. I said, dude, don't ever do that shit again. I will kick your ass. <laughs> and I don't mean like you're spanking. Like, I will literally kick your ass because you're putting people in jeopardy. He, he looked at me like I was crazy. You know what I told him, bro? I told him the Sean Taylor story. Oh, man, yeah. No, literally. I told no, I the Sean yeah. Taylor story, and then I said, read it, cause you, in case you think I'm not telling the truth. I said, his sister or his brother, one of his relatives, invited some friends over a party while he was gone. They looked around the house and said, oh, wow, this guy, this guy, we need to rob this place. And they came back later, robbed him. He happened to be home. He's dead now. All because somebody was flossing, trying to act like they were bigger than they were. And that's the Instagram world we live in. It bro. is, man. And, and that's what this show is about. This girl who fakes her way to having these friends and pretends to be some German-Russian heiress who lives on a trust fund and whose dad is a billionaire or some crap. And it's just about, like, manipulation and fakeness and materialism. And I just, I mean, we got into the middle of the second episode. I look over at her, and I said, I was like, I, I can't stand this. I was like, I never <laughs> want to watch this again. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. She, I was like, you're going to have to finish this on your own. This is so not interesting to me. Like the, the, and that's what I hate about it because Julia Garner is phenomenal. Like the main character, she is so good as the main character. And I just can't stand the premise in that, that world. Bro, she is Alex Rodriguez on the 2000 Rangers. <laughs> that's a really good analogy. There's the, yeah, that's very similar to what it is. And so I just couldn't, I couldn't make myself watch it again. Cause I did not care what happened to this person or anybody in her world. At all. And so the other thing that I had been watching is, and, and we haven't done this in a while, so I've got a few. We went from Yellowstone, finished that, right into 1883, which is the Yellowstone origin story, starring Sam Elliott. Tim McGraw plays the, the main character. So Yellowstone is based in the modern era, out in Montana, about the Dutton family on their ranch. And it's been there for, like, generations and this is the story about how the Dutton family originally came to Montana and found the ranch. And it, it's, it's about as historically accurate for the time period as it could be for the Oregon Trail is what these people are on. 
And so Tim McGraw plays the original Dutton. His wife, his real-life wife, Faith Hill, plays his wife in the show and their daughter and their son, and they join with the group of immigrants from Germany who are leaving from Fort Worth, Texas, taking the Oregon Trail to get to Oregon, and then the Duttons decide to branch off, and I won't ruin it for anybody, for a reason to to get to Montana and end up settling there. But it, it really shows what it was like and how unbelievably difficult it was to make it to the West. I'm trying to think. What, like... Disease, what so- drownings. Like, for instance, one scene, they're in the middle of the prairie in Kansas, and they can see it coming. Now, keep in mind, you are on covered wagons, horses, and walking. And this is something that would take months. I mean, you're talking about going from Fort Worth to Oregon. You're talking about it, it takes months at that pace. And they are on the plains in Kansas, and they see it coming. There is a massive thunderstorm coming, and there's nowhere. That you, you, where are you going to go in the middle of the open prairie? <laughs> and a tornado develops. And you, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. They're trying to find a ditch somewhere to go, and it ends up plowing through, and it takes out some of their covered wagons and kills a couple of people. There's another wow. time they've got to cross a river, and they stand there looking at it like, how are we going to cross this thing? And they test it. And they try, and then the, a couple of the German people are like, we cannot swim, we don't know how. And, you know, okay, well, we're going to try to cross the river. And a couple of them get swept away. Indians on the prairie, it, it, it's, you know, smallpox was a thing back then. I mean, so many just countless different ways for people to die in this group, which starts out with like 40-some-odd people. And I won't tell you how many it winds up with, but it ain't 40-something. Jeez. And it's, but you know, if you've ever read anything about the pioneering of the old West like that and what it took to go West, I mean, that this is what they ran into. I mean, it, it would be anytime, like if you went with a party of that size, you could probably estimate 80% of them wouldn't make it. Wow. For 80%. whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just because of, of how grueling it was. And did you bring enough food and what happens if, you know, keep them up like a rattlesnake bites you or you fall off your horse or something happens and you break something. There's no doctors. There's no you're hundreds of miles away from a fort that might have a doctor that served in the Civil War that may have seen your injury before. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, geez, I mean, that, it, it's it's amazing and it's so realistic and so well done And the one thing, and this is what's funny about it, and I put this up on Twitter because it kept blowing my mind. They went to the detail. The women in the show have hairy armpits because women didn't start shaving until about the 1920s. And so the women in the show, they go to that type of detail where the women have hairy armpits. Every single person on the show has shiny, white, perfectly straight teeth. Well, see, that that can't work, bro. See, and I thought, yeah, because I'm like, you're this detailed. Where some of the details in the characters and some of the details about the path on the Oregon Trail are so real and so dead on, and yet you didn't want to do anything to their teeth? <laughs> I wouldn't. Somebody just forgot, bro. They I guess, forgot. man. But, it, I mean, it, it's so noticeable because, I mean, again, there's no showers. You're bathing in a river if you find one. But they'll go weeks without being able to bathe because there's no water. <laughs> And these people are dirty. Their faces are gringy. They talk about how much they stink. And then one of them will laugh. And you're like, oh, my God, did you just chew some dentine? Like, what are we doing? I mean, it's crazy noticeable. But it's it's really, really good. And it's really well done. 
And I'll be curious to see because I started reading into this and apparently there is, they have renewed it, but not necessarily for a season two. They're just continuing the story of the Duttons. And from my understanding, what's coming out next is something called 1932, which will be like season two of 1883, but it serves as the uh, taking us from where they settled into the depression and, and what happens in the 1930s. And that they're going to have a couple of different series come out that kind of continue the story up to the modern times, which is fascinating. I think it's it's just really well done. I mean, these shows are really well done. Dude, sounds like. Yeah, and it's cool. Uh, And and that's 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 a piece of history that you don't really see a lot of that's done that realistically. No, it's um, sounds interesting. I mean, because I'm trying to figure out because I I don't really get into that time period. Um. Except Little House on the Prairie that shows my age. I watched but, it too. Uh, I mean, who didn't? <laughs> read all the books. I mean, come on. Damn, you read all the Little House on the Prairie books? Hell yeah, when I was a kid, man, those were awesome. Really? Yeah. I liked them. Wow. I, I mean, I'm a, I've always been a reader. I've, I've, I mean, the things I've read and the series I've read when I was a kid, I read everything. Still do. Jeez. Yeah, but I just, I, it, that's the show is like that. And I will say this, because the way they make the show entertaining and you keep wanting to watch it, they're, in, they're basically on, in the wilderness on a prairie. That's the entire show. I mean, that's what it is. It's <laughs> slow. There are times where it's methodical, but it works. Really? Because you're on a freaking trail. You're on the Oregon Trail. I mean, how exciting is that? You know? Dude. But it's Very cool because it Very starts It starts in Fort Worth in the stockyards. And I remember, this was right around the time I moved, I think, when they were filming there. And they had closed down the stockyards. And they remodeled some of the stuff. And they built some set pieces. But they used the stockyards for the most part. And a lot of the buildings, you'll see them and be like, oh, my God. Yeah, of course. And they took the main interchange there at Exchange. And I guess that's Main Street. Covered it in dirt and turned it into what it, it would have looked like in 1883. Jeez. It's cool, man. It works. It's it's a really good show. The other thing I've got for you, and I got to tell you, and I haven't seen all the movies that are nominated for Best Picture because the, Os- the Oscars, everybody will be listening to this. The Oscars are March 27th, which is next Sunday coming up. Will Smith is winning Best Actor. You think? You need to watch King Richard, dude. It is phenomenal. The story of King Richard, which is Richard Williams, it's the story of him and Serena and Venus Williams and his family. And it picks the story starts when they are, I want to say they're under the age of 10. Right. And it takes you through the first few years And this dude who they lived in South central LA. They live, I think they lived in Watts. If I remember correctly, it wasn't yeah. Compton. I believe it was Watts, but it's, it's some, maybe it wasn't Watts. It's, it's one of those communities that was right there, right around the riots. Right. And he, I mean, he's taking them to tennis courts. He's got this plan, this written plan. that's like a 20 page plan about how to make their life work and how they're going to be tennis stars and all this thing. They're going and practicing on this court covered in graffiti where gang members come up to them and try to fight him and, and pick up the daughters and stuff like that. I mean, it is, but Will Smith is just, I mean, he's, he will win best actor. I'd be stunned if he doesn't, if he doesn't, then they're they're ripped. The, the award's getting ripped off. What is it that you like most about his performance? I mean, he he uses a certain voice, his eyes, the way he carries his. I mean, he has transformed himself. And if you ever saw Ali, 
he was nominated for best actor for Ali and he became Muhammad Ali. I mean, he was phenomenal in that role. He is a completely different person. And it, it, it's the aura that he puts on screen as this guy. And you just believe him. It's incredible. And the movie is just really, really good. I mean, we loved it. I thought it was an incredible movie. All right, cool. I put it on my, my list of stuff to watch. Yeah, man. And, and my understanding is, I mean, just, and, and also like you watch because, I mean, I think we're all familiar with Venus and Serena Williams, but hell, Serena Williams, probably the greatest women, women's tennis player that ever touched the face of the planet, you right. know, and, and we forget, I think people forgot Venus was better originally. Like Venus was the star originally because she was a couple of years older and oh, she, yeah. she was the one that originally everybody thought was, oh my God, she's going to break all the records. And then Serena came along and was obviously, as we've seen, is, I mean, is like the goddess of tennis. Yeah, but it didn't start off that way. No, right, was, right. It, yeah. I mean, Serena, I mean, Venus was 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 it. Yep. I mean, it was a huge deal when Venus, when Serena actually beat Venus the first time. Because, uh, you know, Venus used to kick her ass like she kicked everybody else's ass, too. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's the story of this dad and his belief in his kids and yeah, he's he's a little crazy. There's a lot of like, oh my god, this guy, but it, it just and the fact that they're doing it in a sport that, quite honestly, was a white people sport. True that. You know, and, and they it's like Tiger Woods. I mean, they went into this and the the amount of times they got turned down, where people looked at these two little black girls and kind of like, I mean, what, what what are you doing? Kind of type attitude, you know. And they never gave up and they kept pushing and kept pushing. I mean that. Just that whole story and the way it played out and how they came to be what they are, it, I thought it was fascinating. All right. You've, you've convinced me. You sold me. I'm telling I'm you, man. Gonna, you got to watch go it. go check it out. And I don't think it'll win Best Picture because from what I, everything I read and all the, the awards leading up to this, Power of the Dog on Netflix is winning a bunch of it, or Coda, which is uh, Child of Deaf Adults, is also like those seem to be the two front runners and... I don't know, man. I watched the preview for Power of the Dog on Netflix. I guess I got to make myself watch it. It just looks boring. <laughs> well, then don't. <laughs> you don't have to. I know, but I like to watch like all the movies that are nominated. Like I, I, I like to watch them because, you know, there's such a broad range. And generally speaking, they're all really good. So we'll see. But there's been like the English Patient won Best Picture in 1996. I will tell you to this day, it's probably the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. I thought it sucked. But that, you, know, you never know, man. I don't know, but I want to check that out. I, Dune is nominated. I want to see that. Belfast looks really good. I mean, there's so many of these movies that do look good that I'm kind of intrigued by. But you never, I mean, the, the Academy's gotten weird in recent years. Like, I thought last year Nomadland won, and I didn't think that was all that great. They're not the be-all, end-all, man. They're not the be-all, end-all just because it's, it's Oscar winning. I mean, there's been times where you look at the years past, and there's movies that were nominated that were better, I thought, than the movie that won. Well, you know, sometimes they get so into cinematic shit yeah. that they forget that it's supposed to be an entertaining movie. The only thing I require of a movie is for my two hours, am I entertained? I don't, you know, and so I don't get caught up in the cinematography, this or this or that or whatever. I just want to know at the end, was I entertained? And if I was, then it was a good movie. And obviously there are varying degrees of that, and that's why you have great movies, but I just want to be entertained. And sometimes, you know, the the uh, the academy gets so caught up in the whole production of it that they forget yeah. that was it actually entertaining or was it this beautifully boring movie? 
Yeah, yeah, that that's very very true, man. And and I've been watching caught up in the the art value of it and not the entertainment value. Yeah, that, I was going to say that. It's almost like, okay, well, let's make it as artsy kind of as we can. And, you know, there's a variety of different ways. There's several of these I want to see, but King Richard had been on my list for a while. And, I mean, I'm telling you, man, if you guys haven't seen it. Now, granted, I, I've only seen a couple of the other ones that have been nominated for Best Picture, but, God, it's good. It's just a – it's just a, it's entertaining, and it is – a phenomenal story, especially if you're not familiar with the real details of the Williams story and how they became what they are. And just some of the people in the movie, they just kind of take a chance on them and, and just buy into what this dude is selling in a sense. I, it, I, I just thought it was great. And Will Smith, man, Will Smith, I think this is where he's going to get his in a sense, like, cause he's put out, you know, the Academy will do that sometimes where like, I think when he got nominated for Ali, he was probably too early in his career. And, right. you know, there were other great performances that year. And then you look at it and it's like, okay, you know, let's see if you can do this again. Because sometimes with actors that cross over like this, I mean, that was back in 2002, where right. they'll look at him like, well, you're, you're a rapper, you're a TV guy, you know, yeah, you're pretty damn good at this. And, and you've done some big time blockbuster movies, but let, let's see you do it again. And now yeah, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and so that was also the year that, that Denzel won for training day. And I mean, come on. You you weren't gonna no. give it to him. I mean, no, no. Will Will Smith's done a lot of great work in his career, man. Yeah, man. And so he's been nominated twice previously. Yeah, because Pursuit of Happiness, he was nominated for that, and he's just so good. And I, I just think I, I'd be. He won the SAG Award. He won the Golden Globe. It, it, I'd be shocked if he doesn't win the Oscar for this. So good for him. What a career that Absolutely. dude has had, man. What nah, a career, nah, he, dude. He's um he's been fantastic, man. And, and and I like his range. He does a lot of different stuff. He's not playing the same character over and over. Like The Rock pretty much plays the same character over and over. My man Liam Neeson yeah. usually plays the same character over now, and over and over. Yeah, jeez, dude. Um, and I think it's uh, – I just think it's uh, – I, I love the range, man. Because if you got range, you can do anything. Well, he can, and, he can act. I mean, Liam Neeson can act too, but he's just given up on that. And why, I mean, because did you ever see Schindler's List? Man, that shit too heavy for me. Because <laughs> he was. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you, dog. It's too heavy. It's, I, I, it's too heavy, bro. I, I'm not. What did I just tell you? I like to be entertained. I don't yeah. want to go in and come out like, oh, my God, somebody take me out of my misery. Kill me. But he, that's his only, uh, that's Liam's only ever Best Actor nomination. And he, Schindler's List is, there's a reason why it won all these awards and why he got nominated. I mean, he can act. He just figured out, oh, my God, I can make millions of dollars playing this one guy, and everybody loves this. It's like The Rock. The Rock is not an actor to me. He's an action star, and that's what Liam Neeson's become. He's an action star. Yeah, but I like his action. Oh, my God, like, I'm dude. Not, I'm not really a Rock guy. Like, like I, don't, yeah, I, I, like, I don't like The Rock's movies, but Liam Neeson, man, he, even though they're the same movie every time, I, know, I, dude. I fall for it every time. Wronged man seeking vengeance. Yes. Kicks everybody's ass as an old guy. And I just love it. You know, I think that that works so much is because we all, I think as being dudes, you fantasize that you are a secret assassin with all these skills and you're just a normal looking guy. And Liam Neeson is the most unassuming, normal looking dude. Like when Liam Neeson walks up to you in these movies and is like, I'm going to kick your ass in 18 different ways. The, the bad guys are always like, no, okay. And then he does it. And you're like, oh my God, this, he's a badass. Yeah. Nah, dog. His stuff works, man. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like the, Even rock, they're the same yeah. movie. 
The Rock, to me, is is the new Arnold Schwarzenegger. I will buy that, but I'll, I'll buy that. But even Schwarzenegger, to me, had a little edge to him. I never take The Rock seriously when it comes to being edgy. To me, he's it's fake edgy. I can you see that. I mean? Yeah, because he does that. Like, you know, he's got that like people's sh- eyebrow look. Right, like in The Terminator, Schwarzenegger's like, he's fighting for the good guys, but I don't really trust him. He got that edge to him. He got a little sense of humor, but he got that edge to him. Ah, the Rock, man. The Rock to me is just a wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Meaning he's always he's he's more of a comedic guy to me. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to that. He's got that comic value to him, and I will say for the most part, I do enjoy his movies. And, and he like as Hobbs and in the Fast and the Furious and all that, he's a badass. And he's had some misses. He was in Red Notice. I don't know if you saw that. that. I think that was a Netflix film with Ryan Reynolds. That was pretty good. You know, he's, he's got that role. Yeah. I'm just glad that he stopped trying to act. Like when he did those silly movies where he was trying to act and he realized, you know what? I just need to be in movies where I blow stuff up, do my people's where, eyebrow. and I and, be myself. Yeah, and be larger than life. I'm just going to be that guy. And when you're that guy, you're badass. No, that's it. I mean, dude, it's like trying to take Kevin Hart seriously when he's playing an officer. Like, bro. Yeah, man. I can't you just I can't do it, bro. I just can't do it. And that's I get it. You sometimes want to challenge yourself, but then you gotta realize, man, if I want to make millions and millions, I gotta go back to just what I am. Nah, man, you gotta do what you do. So I hope I mean, that really Yeah. You know, that's why you know, and I'm not kissing your ass, so don't t- that's why I love Matt. Because you just do what you do. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. hear your voices, they come up when they come up. You're passionate about what you're passionate about. You fuck everything else. Just, you do you, man. That's true, I do. And I do me better than anybody. Now, you know how much, how many people are uncomfortable doing them? A lot. The, I, Dude. The majority of people. Right. Which and is that's why, why they try f- to be somebody else and do fake Yeah. Them. That's why when you find somebody who could do them, and they're very comfortable doing them, um, they can be successful. Now, I say I had two moments this weekend that made me feel good about myself. One, I was hanging out something, and this dude ran up to me. What's your name? What's your name? Now I almost hit that dude. Like, hell? man, I don't, I don't know you like that. Asking me my name. What are you, undercover? And he goes, I know you. I know you. Uh, you write for the morning news, don't you? And I, I humored him. I said, ah, oh, Jacques Taylor. Man. Yeah, I knew that was you. And he said, yeah, how long you been doing that? I said, well, actually, I haven't done that in 10 years. <laughs> oh my god it's been 10 years but anyway it was a nice exchange yeah and then last night i was leaving the basketball tournament and this dude stopped me and he wanted to talk for 10 minutes bro and he was like yeah i remember you at the morning news man you wrote a lot of good stuff because you were just in people's face with a lot of controversy and i stopped him i said was it controversy or was i just telling the truth no you're just telling the truth i said that it wasn't controversial that's he the said, truth. but you know, people don't tell the truth. I go, well, you know, that's other people's problem. It's not mine. Yeah, that's, yes, you're exactly right. And I, I, man, I say stuff like that. Like I tell people all the time, somebody at the station a while back was like, hey, like, man, you wear that, that hoodie. Is that the same hoodie you wear every day? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. They're like, do you ever wash it? I'm like, really? like I was Somebody like, said that to you? Yeah, I was like, do you ever wash your jacket? I was like, yes, I wash it like once a week. I was like, dude. You're like, I don't know, man. Like, you just kind of wear the same thing every day. I was like, yeah. I was like, if you don't like it, don't do it. I tell people, like, other people are so concerned about what other people are doing. And I, I, I told the lady friend this the other day. I forgot what we were talking about. 
But it was something along the lines of this conversation. I remember telling her, I was like, man, I wish that my life was so easy that I could focus that much on somebody else's life. Bruh. Like, I, I'm more concerned with me and trying to figure my myself out and my own path that, like, whatever other people got going on, that's your deal, man. You know, like, yeah. like I've, I care about a couple of people in my life and I pay attention to what they got. I, why in the world I care about some random stranger or whatever they're doing? I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I just don't have time. I don't, I don't sorry. And I don't I know, know why people get so fascinated with stuff that I do sometimes. No idea, bro. You know, it'll be... You know, I, I used to say this all the time, like if I had a bad haircut, like like during the pandemic when I, I cut a chunk out of the back of my head and she kept saying stuff to me and I was like, I, she's like, why aren't you going to do anything about it? I was like, why? I can't see it. <laughs> she's like, well, it looks weird. I was like, well, then other people will look at me and think it's weird. She's you like, know? well, they're going to stare. I was like, okay, cool. I hope they enjoy it. I mean, wh- what do I care? I don't know. I mean, I can't see it. For sure. And then I, you know, I looked in the mirror and I just laughed because it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. And I hope, again, if anything big breaks over this past weekend, we'll have it for you coming up at the end of the week. There will not ah. be a podcast dropping on Wednesday as I, we explain the situation with all that. But we will have this one for you here on this Monday. Enjoy. Well, hold, on, hold, on. hold on. I got one last story for you. Oh, okay. Two minutes. Yes, do it. What is it? My adventures at the NCAA tournament in ah, Fort Worth at Dickey's right. Arena. Dickey's Arena. Really, really, really nice arena, man. Really nice. But... I did something yesterday that was funny yet scary at the same time, man. So I get this uh, I get this call from Anscape, which used to be the undefeated. That's another long story we'll go to on a different day. And they say, hey, can you go play defense for us at the, uh, at the NCAA tournament? And what that means is just go there. We'll pay you to go there and watch Norfolk State lose to Baylor and Texas Southern lose to Kansas. But if the impossible happens – and St. Mary's beats UCLA, which means one of those two teams wins, write a piece for us. Okay, okay so cool. So I go up there, man, and um, I get this. Uh, I show up, and I, I park, and I go. Because I don't have a credential, I'm trying to figure out where to go get the credential. I take my, uh, my NBC credential, um, and I put it on just so people know that, yes, I'm, I'm not a fake journalist. I'm a real journalist looking for where I'm trying to go. And so I asked somebody and they send me down to the docks. And so I've got this NBC credential on. Um, and, and I asked the guy, hey, where's the media check-in? This is the team check-in. He goes, oh, go right across there. It's the media check-in. I said, okay. So I walk over there and it's really just a security guard. And he said, he looks at me and he says, oh, that's a really nice bag you have. And he looks at it and he says, go, go through. You're good. So oh. he never checks, my, never checks my bag. And he says, oh, you need this armband. Go get it. So I get the armband and I walk in through the docks at Dickey's Arena. And I'm looking for where I go get a credential because I don't have a credential, remember? And so I say to myself, let me just get to the floor and I'll find the guy in charge and I'll go from there because I know him. It's Mark Cohen from TCU. And, uh, and so I'm walking in the back and somebody says, I ask somebody, I go, hey, I'm trying to get to the court. And he says, oh, here you go. And she points me the way. So I'm back in the bowels of Dickey's Arena, just walking around. And I pass another security checkpoint. Guy looks at me. I just give him the head nod and I keep walking straight. And now I'm on the court. And then I walk over to, um, to, uh, to Press Row. They can't find my seat. And they go, you're not even on the list. And I go, well, I'm with undefeated. You know, used to be landscape, blah, blah, blah. 
They go, okay, just sit here. We'll, we'll, we, we got an extra seat, national media. You just sit here. So I'm good. And so I text the woman at the at Anscape and I go, somehow I'm not on the list, but I finessed my way in here and I show her my credentials. She goes, oh my God, how did you get in? I said, Cause I'm, <laughs> and I go, because I'm me. So at halftime, it's a blowout. Baylor's winning. Yeah. I go find a guy and I say, hey, can I get a credential? He goes, you don't have a credential? I go, no. He goes, how in the world have you been able to walk all around here without a credential? <laughs> I go, I go, I don't know, bro. I, I go, you know, I was just doing it. He goes, oh, my God, let me, let me go get you one right now. And so he walks and goes get it. And he brings it to me. And, he sh- and I shake his hand because I'm trying to make him feel good about it. And he walks away and he turns back around and says, and he puts his hand on his forehead and he goes, I can't believe you've walked around here for a half and you've got no credential. I go, well, you know, man, that's a problem. He goes, yeah, it's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. He says, you're not supposed to be able to do that. And I go, well, where are you from? He goes, New York. I said, well, you got to understand, I've been doing media in Dallas for 25 years, a lot with the Cowboys, so a lot of people know me. He goes, okay. That doesn't make me feel any better. You shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> and so he Man, leaves. You know. And I, I sent my girl at the uh, Anscape a text. I go, I think somebody about to get fired. <laughs> but the, the scary part is, what if I didn't have good intentions? I basically walked into a secure place, walked past four or five checkpoints. I could have been doing anything, bro. And that is some scary shit. Yeah, that's. But you know how it is. A lot of those times in those places, if you walk around like you know where you're supposed to be and that you're supposed to be there, a lot of times right. people, they don't even say anything to you. Right, because clearly I was asking questions very authoritatively. Like, where's the media thing? Yes. I'm looking for the media thing. Right. Where is it? I'm trying to get to the court. Where's the court? It's around here somewhere. Uh, I'm looking for press row. How did I get there? And so I was very authoritative when I was asking these questions. But still, everybody had on, you got to picture this, man. Everybody had on these credentials they were like four by six. Everybody. I had on one that was like one by two. So my credential don't even look like it fits. I just had something around my neck. It so luckily, I had good intentions, so I did my job. I got paid, and, you know, all's well in the world. Yes, it is. Man. How long were you there? Did you? Because that first game with Baylor was just, I mean, it was a blowout right at the tip. Yeah, no, that's you know, as as luck would have it, I had the first game and the fourth game. So I was obviously there at the first yeah. game. Then I then I left and I hung you know, Fort Worth's a cool city. So I hung yeah, around yeah. Fort Worth, uh, downtown, had some lunch, hung out and uh soaked in downtown Fort Worth and then I went back early and, you know, talked to some people like that I haven't seen in a long time. Like talked to Team, talked to Joe Trahan, talked to Mac Ingle, the columnist at the uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram. And uh, you know, Ran into a couple friends who were there. So, you know, I had a good time. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, that was my NCAA tournament experience yesterday. Well, fantastic. All right, that's it for this one. We will, again, no podcast dropping on Wednesday. We will have a brand new one for you on Friday. So enjoy your week and go back, listen to some old ones. Why not? Download something from a while back that you forgot about. You know what you should do if you never went and and found our very first ever one? I think we just did like an intro and we talked about tattoos and it was like 45 minutes long and it was so (laughs) random. 
because we were just trying to test it out and see how it was going to work and do all that stuff. Go listen to that, but we'll be back Friday. Enjoy your week. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.